You are listening to Unbreakable Success, episode 48. And before we get started, I'm going to ask you right now, we've got an amazing guest today, Amberly Lago, who was, uh, she was actually just on the Today Show with Megan Kelly, uh, sharing her story about her traumatic accident, and more importantly, her story of triumph, and her new book, True Grit and Grace. And I'm going to ask you very specifically, if you've ever gotten an ounce of value from any episode of Unbreakable Success, I have to ask you to do me a favor. Go to Amazon.com right now. And even if you don't feel like buying a new book for yourself, buy one, buy a copy for someone else. You can gift somebody a, a copy of a Kindle version or a paperback version. Doesn't matter. But somebody you know is going through some, something difficult and they need to read this book because it'll change their life. And I promise you it'll change yours. Um, but I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Stay tuned because you're about to meet Amberly, and she's freaking awesome. You're going to love her. Welcome to Unbreakable Success, where each episode gives you the experts and perspectives to evolve your success in mind, body, and wealth. My name is Aaron Keith Hawkins, and I have over 20 years of leadership experience as a public servant and as an entrepreneur. And now, my mission is your success. And to all my entrepreneurs out there, I know I completely understand how overwhelming it can sometimes feel to try to figure out what kind of sales funnels to use and marketing messages to use and which social media we should be using to grow our audiences. But the truth is, sometimes we got to sit back and think, wait a minute, how am I really influencing my audience and how am I building relationships? Which is why I've created a live event called Unbreakable Success Live to meet specifically to take a deep dive into how to create more influence, generate stronger relationships with your audience and the people you're trying to reach and serve with your product or service. And on top of that, meet a whole bunch of entrepreneurs that are looking to do the same thing in a completely authentic and genuine way. If you're a listener of this show, I know that's your jam. So uh, regardless of when you're hearing this, Go to AaronKeithHawkins.com forward slash live to see when the next event is. And I can't wait to meet you, give you a hug, shake your hand, and create something amazing together in your business and life. I can't wait to meet you. AaronKeithHawkins.com forward slash live. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Unbreakable Success. Uh, I have to tell you guys, I'm extremely humbled and excited and a bunch of different emotions to have our very special guest today, Amberly Lago. Uh, Amberly, among many things, she's a, she's a speaker. She's a, a newly fresh printed author of the book, True Grit and Grace, A Turning Tragedy and a Triumph. And as you'll, you'll hear as we get talking, Amberly has an amazing story. And there's really two two big reasons that I'm so happy to have Amberly on the show. Number one, uh, it's because she's a, a beautiful example of the fact that no matter what happens to you, because all of us, as you're listening, we're all going through something in our own way. And all of our stories are different. All of our challenges are different. But the truth is all of us have challenges. And I really can't think of anyone that is a, a, a better example of how to handle a, a challenge and challenges in an understatement in this case. Um, but I really can't think of anybody better to have this conversation with uh, than Amberly um, because she's so gracious about her story and she's uh, through her book, she's been so willing to share what, what she's been through and more importantly, how she triumphed and continues to, to strive through it. And the second reason 
is this. I think it's really important for all of us um, because I know a lot of us listening are entrepreneurs. Some of them are, some of us are moms and dads, uh, regardless of what we're doing. A lot of times it can get really almost acceptable to hide our story and to hide the hard things that we're going through. And we don't want to tell people about what's going on and, and things that we're struggling with. Um, but Amberlyn, she's here listening with me, so I hope she's not blushing too much. But <laughs> Amberlyn is a perfect example of, of why it's so important and so empowering to share your story. Because number one, it can be healing for us as individuals to share what we're going through and what we're experiencing. And number two, and I'm sure Amberly will agree that even more importantly, it helps other people realize that, wow, somebody else is going through some hell as well. And, you know, by creating that connection and creating that, making it okay to have a story, to have a struggle, uh, no matter what it is, when you share those stories with people, it really creates connections and, you know, lets everyone know that it's okay for us to be having some hard times. So I don't want to be melodramatic about this, but those are two big reasons um, that I want to have Amberly on. Uh, and I'm so grateful that she's here. So I'm going to stop talking about her and start talking with her. Amberly, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. And I hope oh. you don't mind me gushing about you a little bit. Oh, thank you so time. much. Wow. <laughs> That was the nicest introduction. I just want to hang out with you all day. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's start. And you're very welcome. And I mean it. You know, you know what I mean. We've talked uh, a few times now off the air. And I, I do I have so much admiration for you. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad we got to, to hook up and connect like this. And thank you for being here. So how are things out in sunny California? Oh, wonderful. I just want thank you so much for having me um, on your amazing you show. It's really an honor. Thank you. And yeah, it's it's such a nice day. You know, I'm spoiled out here <laughs> with the weather. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, okay, that'll be reason number three why I have you on the show, so I can live vicariously. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come visit anytime. I know I don't sound like I'm from California. I'm originally from Texas, and I, you know, they say you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of the girl. <laughs> and sure. I used to try to, you know, try and lose my accent, and then I gave up on it. So, so yeah, I'm, I've lived out here in California for 27 years now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, the, the accent is perfect. I love it. Uh, it fits you and uh, it fits your, 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 your strong yet appealing demeanor. And uh, I, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd be disappointed if you lost it now because now I, I'm used to you with it. So hang on to it. Don't try <laughs> fixing that at all, please. <laughs> so, so tell us, uh, obviously for, for those that may not have had the, the opportunity to meet you yet, they certainly will get to know you today during the show. Um, but tell us what's going on in your world and then we'll get to the, the backstory. You've got some exciting things going on that I, I know right now as we're recording, your book hasn't quite been released yet, but I'm pretty sure as if everybody's listening today, it probably will have been released by the time this episode goes out. So can you tell us a short story about your book? Uh, yes. Um, I really uh, was inspired to write a book and just talk about, you know, just share my story of hope and inspiration and, you know, really inspire others to find their own resilience to move forward and choose to live a life full of laughter and love, even when things, you know, don't go as planned. Because like you said earlier, um, it, life can be going good, then all of a sudden, the rug can be pulled out right from underneath you. And that's kind of what happened to me. 
you know, I moved out here 27 years ago to pursue my dreams as a dancer. And, um, uh, you know, I knew from a young age, about eight, that I wanted to move to California and be a dancer just like I saw on MTV. And so nice. you know, I, I did, you know, despite, you know, my parents not being too thrilled about it. I moved out here and about a month later, my very first music video was MC Hammer. Can't touch this. I was like <laughs> one of those girls in the big baggy pants and I was in heaven and I was able to travel and um, do music videos and um, commercials and just, you know, get paid for what my passion was. So it didn't feel like work. I almost felt like I should be paying them because I loved it so much. And, um, when I, you know, had transitioned from a dancer, um, I got, I was always an athlete as a kid and I, I went straight into personal training and I had a fitness career for, and still involved in the fitness community and still train clients, but I was very busy with it and had a couple of trainers that even worked for me. And I trained about seven days a week and, you know, life was good. And, yeah. you know, I'm, married my husband um just recently retired but he was a lieutenant with a highway patrol and two healthy girls and um one day i was on my way home from work and i was on my uh, motorcycle i had a, a 1200 sportster harley sportster mm. and you know i was going down ventura boulevard and this guy i thought saw me he didn't see me, I guess, and he made a left right into me. And um, my leg took the brunt of the impact, and I was thrown 30 feet. And uh, when I woke up in the hospital, um, they the first thing they told me was they were going to have to amputate my leg. Um, but so... <sighs> That's probably the worst thing you can tell someone who ran track their you know in yeah. in high school and fitness trainer and dancer and you know what's even crazier is you know when I was laying in the road, the things that went through my head like i I saw my leg and it was like one of those horror movies because it my femoral artery was severed, and so the I could just see the blood shooting out and my leg was crumpled. And there I was going, oh my gosh, I may have to train clients on crutches. Ooh, I might have to miss a couple of weeks of work. Oh my God, I have a pulled pork and sandwich in my backpack. And this is my husband's backpack. There's going to be pulled pork everywhere. He's going <laughs> to kill me. And it's just crazy the things that yeah. go through your, your mind. And I had no idea that I would be in the hospital for months in a wheelchair for months and that I would wake up not knowing whether or not they were going to amputate my leg. Um, thank God I was transferred to another hospital and my husband, actually the doctor that was going wanted to amputate my leg. My husband said, no, I don't want her to wake up out of a coma without her leg. Mm -hmm. And he Googled limb salvage and that's, he has had to, from being, a first responder, a lot of times he was kind of used to that terminology, limb salvage and donor. And, and uh, he found a doctor and pulled a bunch of strings, got me transferred. And that's where I went, underwent, uh, I went 
through 34 surgeries, but who's counting? (laughs) They were able to save my leg. Um, So it's been quite the journey. And I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. And uh, that's why I wanted to write a book just to share all the different tools and all the lessons that I've learned along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It is, um, you know, from, from getting, uh, thank you for sending me that, that early copy of your book. And I, I had the opportunity to, to read your, your story and, and everyone listening right now, I'm telling you, please go out there like right now, don't interrupt the interview. You can listen to the rest of it. But <laughs> as soon as you've done this interview, um, please go out and grab Amberly's book. But you describe in, in so much detail um, the incident itself and, you know, the the miraculous series of events that actually saved you from, from not having, from the, having the doctors not amputate your leg. It um, was like everything was yeah. just lined up at the right time. And, Honestly, there I had a guardian angel because yeah. there was a guy that immediately came over and whipped his belt off and made a tourniquet on my leg yeah. because I could have bled out. And yeah. um, I remember, you know, being in the ambulance and, you know, one of the ladies that was there at the scene, I knew it was bad, but I thought this must be pretty bad because people weren't like walking up to me, they were slowly kind of approaching me. And one lady kind of wilted, like fainted when she saw Mm -hmm. me. And then um, it was quite the scene. The whole boulevard was shut down. And when I was in the back of the ambulance, I was just squeezing this paramedic's leg. And Mm -hmm. I was looking at them to like, give me some confirmation of what do you think it is? You think it's okay. What, you know, they wouldn't even make eye contact with me. And so I thought, okay, either they're really trained not to make eye contact or it's that bad and they don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah. So yeah, it was, and and people ask me a lot. um, Well, do you remember it? Did it hurt? And I was like, Mm. first of all, it hurt bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you also described like, that in, uh, in pretty good detail was, in the book. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, um, I'm not usually a big, you know, I usually don't have, uh, I don't cuss unless I'm really, really upset. And yeah. I was cussing and at the same time I was thinking, oh my goodness, my Methodist mother would <laughs> not approve of this. And then I would cuss again. And I remember so many of the details and I'm glad that I was awake because I'm uh, like really, I'm allergic. I will go into anaphylactic shock if I have morphine and that's Mm. what they give you in the ambulance. That's the only pain medication they have. And they were about to give me an IV of morphine and thank goodness I was alert because I, I learned the lesson. I should wear a bracelet that says that I'm allergic to morphine. But Mm. um, yeah, I remember every detail. Yeah. There, there were, that's one of the first things that struck me. Um, and I don't get super hyperly, um, you know, miracles and butterflies on people. I'm very much a prag, uh, pragmatist in some ways, but you know, there's no way to avoid seeing the, as horrific as this, this incident was, 
there is no way to avoid seeing these sequence of miracles. Number one, like you said, the, the gentleman that came up and, and used his belt for a tourniquet. And then you had people making phone calls as you're screaming your husband's phone number to get him there as quickly as possible. You know, the, the fact that you remained conscious and interrupted the morphine from going into you, which would have uh, sent you into anaphylactic shock. Yeah. And then, you know, once you got to the hospital, the, you know, having uh, your, the fact that your husband was there and that they had people uh, that, that he was able to get in contact with these specific, pretty much the only people in the entire state that could have done what they did to save um, to save not only you, but save you and keep you from losing your leg. It was just one, I'm reading and my oh. jaw is dropping and I'm saying, oh, oh my gosh, there's no, that, that, there's no way that this many fortunate events happened in the face of this absolute tragedy. Uh, it was just, it was just really all inspiring. Um, Thank you. This happened and, 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 and you explained it so well and so eloquently in, in, in your book. And it, it really set the stage for, and I don't know if I, I really can't say whether you meant to do this or not, but you really, you wrote this book out, or at least at, at the beginning of when you were telling the tale of the story, you wrote it in such a way that even though you were describing in very vivid detail, a horrific scene, you were also describing all these miracles and they just jumped off the page at me. Oh, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing that this many, because I knew the story and I knew that it was bad, but I didn't expect to see this many good things, like reading one thing after another and going, well, thank God for that. And thank God for that. And thank God for that. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a list here of thank, you know, thank God, thank goodness that these, that these positive things happened, these little miracles were happening uh, as you were as you were in a hospital in, in the midst of this. And yeah, I mean, they were honestly, I, thank you for saying that because, you know, as you go along, it's easy to forget sometimes yeah. um, uh, that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a miracle that I have both my legs and yeah. I had a 1% chance of them, my leg being saved from amputation. I had a 1% chance mm. and they could not believe that I had that many surgeries that my leg was exposed to the, to the road and I didn't get an infection. That is a miracle in itself. Um, so thank you for saying that because, um, sometimes it's easy in life to get caught up in the, you know, I got to do this, I got to do this and, and, and keep going and not stop and go, wait a minute. You know, I, I really try each day to do a gratitude list in the morning and at night. Sometimes I might miss it and just make it in the morning or sometimes, but I really do try to, to at night, um, in the morning, try to set my intentions with gratitude and it puts me and I do my spiritual readings and it just kind of grounds me and puts me in a place where I can go through the day, uh, um, in a positive way. And then at night I try to focus on my gratitude list and I go over it with my daughter and I want her to tell me what she's grateful for because, um, honestly, I, I really don't think I would have healed the way that I healed and I wouldn't be as healthy as I am right now 
if I wasn't in a healthy mindset in a place of gratitude every day. Mm-hmm. I had um, uh, somebody look over my book in the early stages and, you know, I, I asked them if they could look it over. I was going in, in, you know, I was in a writing class and they said, well, you know, you left out a big part here. And I said, well, what, what do you mean? They're like, well, you should be really, really angry. And I said, but, but no, I'm not angry. And that, well, you should be angry. That person hit you with an SUV, just ran right into you with an SUV of all things. And I said, well, it was an accident. And they said, well, no, you're not right. You know, that's, that's going to sound, that's going to sound crazy. Most people, everybody, you should be angry. And you know what? I really thought about that. And if I were in the hospital and I was so angry at this gentleman that hit me with his car, I wouldn't have been able to move forward. I was so focused on, you know, what do I need to do next to have the right mindset? What do I need to do to keep my body healthy? What do I need to do to save my leg? And I'm telling you from everything from what can I eat in the hospital what can I do in the hospital? And that might sound a little crazy because maybe it is a little crazy that I asked the doctors to give me a pull-up bar um, <laughs> so I could do pull-ups in the hospital bed, not just to keep my upper body strong, um, but, but so I could use the bedpan on my own, as gross as that sounds. But also it gave me a sense of normalcy and a little, it made me feel um, stronger and it made me feel better. Um, So if I was in that hospital bed, sitting there fuming and angry at at the guy who hit me or angry because of the situation I was in, I would have gone into self-pity, depression. Um, I don't think I would have healed. I don't, the way I did anyway, maybe they would have saved my leg, but I just think if you're focused on, you know, in my mind, I I knew that there was a team of doctors and they would come in like a football team huddled up, given the plan. And the first time they came in, once I got transferred, there was a doctor, his name was Dr. Paymon. And he came in and he looked at me and he said, well, first of all, why doesn't this girl have a pain pump? Because he looked at me and I had a halo around my leg and I basically just had pins that were holding my leg into place. So my leg was not broken. It was essentially like, picture it like if you took a cracker and you broke it in half, that's a break. If you took a cracker and you crumbled it in little pieces, that's basically what my leg was. And so Dr. Paymont, he said, do you have a strong stomach? And I said, yeah. He said, well, do you want to look at your leg? And I said, well, yeah, heck yeah. I want to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he turned the x-ray, the, the, the screen over towards me so I could see it in my hospital bed. And he said, well, this is what we're going to do. And from that moment on, I had a um, orthopedic, the trauma specialist, top trauma specialist in the world, Dr. Don Wiss. And he travels all over the world just speaking and teaching 
I just was very blessed that he took me on, that I happened to be in a big city with a hospital with great doctors. I had a plastic surgeon because I had to have muscle flaps and skin grafts and a pulmonologist. So I had a team and, um, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was always, you know, you know, Pollyanna or Pollyanna just missed, you know, positivity, cheerful. There was a minute when I sat in the hospital bed and it was late. I didn't sleep much and nothing was on TV. I mean, you're just in the hospital room. I think I got, I started watching law and order and there was the infomercial on, there was some infomercial on about how to get that Brazilian butt. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, I'll never have a Brazilian butt. Oh my God, my leg's going to be so scarred. I'm, I will never probably wear shorts again. I'm, what if I never wear a bikini again? And I started like spiraling down into, yeah. I know that sounds so shallow. No. Here I am in the hospital bed. I don't even know if they're going to save my leg. And I'm already to the place in the future of, oh my God, I might not wear a bikini or have a Brazilian butt. And I started, I started getting depressed. And then that's, I really thought to myself, okay, I have a choice here. I can go down that road of despair and darkness and self-pity, or I can have a choice of going down the road and being grateful that I'm still here, that my family loves me, that I still have clients that are waiting for me to come back to work. Um, and that, you know, I have a choice. We can, we can choose. And that is the amazing part about life, that we, we have a choice. We, can, we can't always choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we're going to react to it. And yeah. so I right away got out. I had a little journal that somebody had brought me, and it was sitting next to the hospital bed. And I started writing down everything I was grateful for. I mean, every nurse that came in to bring me water or change my bedpan or take blood or check my vitals, I wrote down every person I was grateful for, my clients, my family, my friends, um, and I started focusing on gratitude. And then I started focusing on how can I be of service? I may be stuck in this hospital bed, but what can I do? So I couldn't train my clients, but I could write exercise programs out for them. I now needed my clients more than they needed me. I needed to have purpose. I needed to um, be purposeful. And so those things really helped pull me out of that darkness and despair. Yeah. Yeah, You know, when you're grateful, you don't have time for self-pity. That is so true. And it, um, that is so powerful that you said that you explain it in that way. And um, for you, you know, I, I appreciate you for sharing that because it's so true. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine the the roller coaster that you had to be going through at that time. But uh, to have the wherewithal to to realize how important it is for you to engage in something and for you to for you to help someone else. Uh, that's just absolutely amazing. And it's absolutely so true uh, because that's, that is the one thing that, that can save any of us uh, regardless of what we're going through. 
is to kind of turn that lens around as difficult as it may be and say, okay, with, with what I have, what can I do and who can I help? And uh, I have to, I told you it was a reason I wanted to have you on the show because I, I, I knew you had that, that's, that's special something in you to, to be able to have accomplished all you have uh, in the face of so much. And uh, I, I really appreciate you for that. So what I have to ask, what was the, um, what was the response from your clients when you started reaching out to them to help them out with their meal plans and, and things of that nature? They had to well, tell them you were nuts. You know, when I, it, it was crazy. When I was getting transferred um, from the hospital, I was in a hospital in Northridge um, and I was being transferred and I had back then it was, I had a Blackberry and I, I said, let me have my phone. I got to call my clients. And so I was just came out of a coma. I was in a coma for a little over a week. And here I was like listening to my messages on my phone and I couldn't understand why this client said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to miss on this day. Not realizing that I had been, completely knocked out for over a week. So those messages were old. And okay. so I was making phone calls. And at one point my husband was like, give me the phone. <laughs> I was so, you know, I was calling them saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to take off a little bit. And I, it was, um, this happened around, um, uh, May 28th. And okay. I, called the owner of the gym and said, I am so sorry. I am a couple of days late on my rent, but I'm in the hospital and I will get that check to you. Like I was so trying to connect and just have a sense of normalcy. And mm -hmm. I call, I waited. I had one client that was in Europe and I trained a husband and wife, a couple, and I waited until I knew they were going to be back in town. And I called them and told them I would be out for a little while. I said, nah, I didn't want to ruin your vacation and tell you that I was, you know, had a motorcycle accident. But I think that my clients who are, they're so amazing. I love my clients. Um, I think that they really kind of agreed to take advice from me because they knew that it was making me feel better. Now, yeah. they swear that no, it really helped me. But I was also not just calling them to do that. I was calling other trainers to get a hold of them so they could set up programs and start training my clients so that they wouldn't, so my clients wouldn't miss out on their sessions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted business to, to keep going. It's hard when, you know, you're, you're self-employed and you want to keep the business going, you know, as a mom, it was hard to keep that, you know, the role as a mom, my, my husband had to be mom and dad for a while. Um, and so, uh, what I found also is it wasn't just clients. I started being of service to, um, I tell you, nurses, they have a free pass to heaven. Nurses, man, they are incredible. The things that they have to do and, my room in the hospital became like the party room because I had, they, they brought a refrigerator in for me and um, I had people that would bring me food. And so the nurses would come in and on their shifts and they would hang out and eat and they would like talk to me about their boyfriend troubles or, you know, they knew I didn't sleep much because I was up a lot from pain. And 
man, there's no better way to not focus on your pain than to just start focusing on talking to these nurses and hearing what they have to say. And um, before I knew it, they were coming in asking if, you know, when I got better and out of the hospital, if I could come back and teach exercise classes and something funny, I just thought about this when I went back to say, hi, this is, you know, months after I was out of the hospital, because it took me a long, long time to learn how to walk again. I went back to the hospital to say hi to all those nurses. And the first thing they said was, oh my goodness, you're so tall. Because <laughs> they had only ever seen me in a hospital bed. And oh, so wow. I, I wasn't expecting that reaction. <laughs> but they, you know, they were happy to see me up on my two feet. Yeah. But, you know, just, you know, talking to the nurses and they would come in and start asking me questions like, well, now what do I do for my legs? Now I want a smaller weight. What do I do for my butt? <laughs> and so it made me feel good to, to be of service to them, you yeah. know, and be the, the, the room where, you know, I was on the orthopedic floor where there were a lot of, um, you know, knee replacements, hip replacements. And I was one of the youngest people on the floor by a long ways. Um, and just to be able, they were happy that I could change my own bedpan. You know what I mean? They, and so they, I was like uh, the room where they could come and hang out and kind of take a break from everything. And I was happy to be that person. Wow. That's, that's, that's so amazing to, in the midst of all that, you wound up being a, a sort of a, um, safe haven for for the people that were were helping and and supporting you so that that that's really cool now how 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 long did you wind up um amberly how long did what what was the timeline from the time this happened till you were able to actually realize that you know you you were going to be able to to get around again because obviously that was so far up in the air at at, at first yeah uh, all that happened how, how long did that transpire till oh, it was a some... long time and yeah. in fact when I got home I had a we we have a two-story house and our bedrooms upstairs so my husband had we rented a hospital bed and we put it right in the living room and so I slept downstairs in the living room for a long time and I hadn't moved, you know, I begged to get out of the hospital. I think they let me out a little earlier than they wanted to. They were real worried about infection. But when I got out, they had, I had a physical therapist that came to the house. Her name's Daria and she's just a sweetheart. I still keep in touch with her. And, um, she came over the first time and she said, okay, now lift your leg up. And it wouldn't move. Mm. And she said, well, just lift it off the bed a little bit. I stared real hard and it wouldn't move. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh my God, well, well, they saved it, but it, it doesn't work. And I, it, it was a long process of, mm -hmm. you know, three steps forward and six steps back. And it took me, I had somebody ask me the other day because um, a, a lot of what I share about and want to talk um, like on my social media platform, I really share the fact that I was diagnosed as a result of the trauma with something called CRPS or RSD. It's nicknamed the suicide disease. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people that have this nerve disease and it's a 
uh, disease of the nervous system or the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it, for lack of a better term, it's like a computer that needs to be rebooted. My sympathetic nervous system is like all out of whack and it's overly sensitive to touch, to sound even, to um, heat, really, especially to cold. And there's a constant pain and it's nicknamed the suicide disease because it is rated highest on the pain scale and there's no known cure yet. And when I was first diagnosed with it, um, all I could find was things like the suicide disease. And, you know, when I was first diagnosed with it, the doctor said, are you the type of person to push through pain? And I proudly said, well, yes, I am. You know, it had taken me about four months from the time the accident happened. I could stand up on crutches and walk a short ways before I would have to elevate my leg. Mm. And I was really proud to be able to walk on crutches. Now it took me probably about six months to walk just a little bit. Mm-hmm um, a year to walk fully, but diagnosed with this nerve disease, there are still some people that have never been able to get out of their wheelchair. And that's what I was told at first was that I needed to go get back in my wheelchair, that I would be permanently disabled. I would never function normally in life as a normal person and I mean, come on, what is normal anyway? I knew I wasn't normal. <laughs> <laughs> Overrated. But um, you know, I I was I was crushed, and yeah. I left that doctor's appointment. I was so just so proud that I was on crutches, and thought he would be so proud of me. Only to find out, here I was. They had saved my leg. I'm finally upright out of a hospital bed and they diagnosed me with CRPS. Mm. So it was like everything he said, it, it, well, I pretty much stopped listening at when he said, I will never function as a normal person and I will always be in a wheelchair. I left there. I went straight to physical therapy and the physical therapist said, well, Amberly, what are you doing here? You don't have an appointment today. And I said, I know I don't, but I need to start working harder than I've ever worked in my life because I just got diagnosed with CRPS and I'm not going to let this define me. And so, um, you know, every day it's, I never know how bad the pain may get as we're sitting here. I have my shoe off and my leg up. I don't complain about my pain a lot. Um, People who know me best can see it in my eyes, but I, I have found skills to cope with pain. Um, and that's something that, you know, I want to share and share in my book as well is the things that I've learned to things that worked and the things that certainly didn't work, what served me and what didn't serve me at all. And I'm hoping by sharing that in my book that, uh, maybe it'll give people shortcuts to, kind of, you know, maybe those tools will help them. Maybe they will, you know, I know everybody's different. Everybody's pain is different. But um, what I do know is what has helped me heal is connecting with others. And there's something magical and so important 
that when you talk to somebody who gets it, somebody who has, you know, been through something or going through something and they can say, I, I hear you, I get it. Mm-hmm. There's something so powerful about that. And so I love to connect with people. I love to, um, you know, I think that we're strong on our own, but man, I think together we're unstoppable. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's one of the things I've, I, I wanted to ask you because you, you've, you've, your journey has been just amazing and just flat out breathtaking. And for you to have gone through, as you said, so many ups and downs and so many highs and lows and, and, and just this, this tier of um, progression through one challenge and then overcoming it and then there's a new one and then overcoming it again. Um, but you did, it, it's, it amazes me because you did so much more than, than just the physical uh, process of, of healing and getting through this. This became a, a mission for you far beyond yourself, obviously, because now you have your book that's out. Um, but, but, but even before you wrote this book, uh, I know you began speaking. It's kind of how I found you. Uh, I think it was on Instagram. Um, I, somehow or another, I came across one of your posts and you know, looked at your profile and, and wound up on your website and I'm reading your story. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, who is this person? Oh, how, did she, how, did she, how did she manage to do so much um, after this, after this, this, you know, this, this terrible tragedy in so many ways? Uh, and next thing you know, you're on stages sharing this, not just your your story, but really sharing your story in the context of, you know, as an example of what the people you're speaking to can accomplish and how resilient they can be and, and how to help. And, and you were helping people draw out their resilience and, and overcoming some of their own challenges and, and things that are going on in their life. So when did, when did you realize, because uh, I doubt you were, immediately thinking, you know, I'm going to get on stage. Oh, I had (laughs) honestly, like if you would have told me, Oh, you're going to be giving speeches. I would have said, yeah, right. (laughs) Whatever. Um, but it, I had, you know, people at the gym would see me come in in a wheelchair and get out of my wheelchair and do some uh, tricep pushdowns and hop back in my wheelchair and then have to lift my leg up in the air because of the blood would get, you know, just the, the blood wasn't circulating uh, at first the way it should because of all the arteries and veins that were compromised. Yeah. If they would see me in a wheelchair and crutches, then walking um, and then back in a wheelchair. Cause I would go back in the hospital and have to have another surgery. And so, you know, at first, I felt broken and I felt like who's going to want to train with me. But to my surprise, my business really boomed because I was that trainer that could, that people that were told, Oh, you can't do that. I was the one that said, Oh yes, you can. And they would say, well, if she can do it, then I can do it. You know what I mean? And (laughs) then they started asking me, can you call my friend or can you call my aunt? She really needs a little bit of motivation to get up and get going. And then I had some people say, uh, you know, you should speak to this group and talk to them about your story. And so I thought, well, that I might do that because I had several people telling me and I thought, well, I don't know the least, 
I don't know the least thing about going and giving a speech. So I went and hired somebody that I had heard of that teaches you how to put a speech together. Mm-hmm. When I went in and talked to them, their company's name's Eloquy and it's a husband and wife and they heard my story and she said, you know what? I want you to come give a talk to my group next month. I run wow. a, a networking group and we want you to speak to our group. And I was like, I've never, I, what? <laughs> I've never given a speech. And she goes, Oh, that's okay. That's perfect. You'll be fine. <laughs> so my very first speech on the way there, my dad calls and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to give a speech. And he said, are you crazy? Like, why would you want to do that? That is the number one fear besides death itself is yeah. doing public speaking. And I was like, thanks dad. <laughs> he said, well, just remember why you started it. And then, you know, I remembered what my intentions were and that kind of took some of the nerves out, not all of them. But I, my very first speech was to a big group of lawyers, financial advisors, and realtors. And there I was, you know, standing in a group of suits, giving a speech. But from that moment on, I was invited to do another speech and then another speech and then made a connection and was giving the the keynote speaker for Dress for Success Worldwide. And I've just, honestly, I've been so blessed to be able to do it and share my message. And I love the connection afterwards when people come up and I had this beautiful young girl once come up to me after I'd given a speech and she said, she was in tears and she said, you know, I heard you speak today and I'm, you've given me the inspiration to dance again. Mm. I have MS and I don't know how I got in MS and I don't know why I'm so young and I have this disease, but doctors told me I'd never be able to dance again. And I, and she, that just filled my heart that Mm -hmm. because she heard me speak, she wanted to go out and dance again. It's little things like that, you know, that, that it's just such a joy. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you never know who you're reaching and I'm, you know, I'm definitely happy to see that, that you took that, that first crazy little step to say yes you know, to the, to the invitation to speak and that you, you just kept it rolling from there and, and you got your, your book going from there and, and you're continuing to, uh, I mean, not only that, you're back to your training again and, you know, if everybody, you got to check out our in, uh, Instagram page if, if for no other reason than to see her swinging a punch uh, that, that oh. video clip you had <laughs> of, so, of throwing some crosses, uh, I, I can tell you. Um, oh, you saw that? A, yes, this is a strong woman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so you you have come so far, and are doing so much right now. I'm so excited for you. Uh, you have the, your book tour coming up, and uh, I, I know there's you're going to just get some so many more amazing opportunities to reach so many more people uh, by doing it. And I'm extremely great grateful to be a part of it. So where is this? Where will this uh, head for you? And and Look, by no means, I, I'm under, under no ill impression that, you know, everything's fine now. You're still, you know, you're still living with something that um, the, the disease that you described that isn't uh, curable yet. And, 
you're you're still getting through that and and there's you know life still goes on and life still has its challenges but here you are building something to help other people with theirs and and you know if you if you can we can circle that back to you starting to do that right away in a hospital even as you were still in bed you were looking for ways to help others and uh i'm grateful to see that you recognize how how important it was and how powerful it was for you to to share that gift with others so where is this where do you see this going for for you what are your um your beyond the horizon sites for this oh well um i my book true grit and grace turning tragedy into triumph is going to be released april 17th and i have some book signings that are well quite a few book signings and um you know people can connect with me uh at amberlylago.com and if you sign up for my newsletter i share a little bit well you get something free you get a gift but also um i share some hope and inspiration and I will be given details about when my book signings are. I have one here in Los Angeles. Well, I have three coming up in Los Angeles and one in Miami coming up. And um, I'm doing a lot of speaking and I'm doing a radio show next week. And I like to post that. I love Instagram because that's where I met you, first of all. Yeah. It's like you can meet <laughs> yeah. amazing people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just such a great way to connect. And so I like to, you know, post inspirational things and just real life stuff, you know, life stuff that goes on. Yeah. I don't always have everything planned out, but I, I just usually just kind of post what's going on in my heart and soul that morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of exciting stuff with the book tour. This is going to be the first summer I am traveling all over the place. I'm going to be in New York um nashville kentucky miami and dallas for now so i'm so excited just the beginning give us a if you obviously the book is about your story um you know turning tragedy into triumph and uh, again I, I can't recommend this enough just just knowing amberly and getting to know her as i have as a person and, and having the opportunity to read uh, a pretty good chunk of this book already i i, I am telling you uh, the listener, please go out and buy it right away. But Amber, Amberly, if you can give us a 30 second rundown of, of what people can expect from your book um, beyond the story itself, which is powerful in and of itself, uh, what would you tell people um, to okay. expect from the book? Um, well, it's not, it's not just all gruesome motorcycle accident story. It really yeah. intertwines my, or interweaves my, uh, you know, young growing up in Texas and how you know how i learned suck it up and cowgirl up and get her done and how in life later in life that didn't always work for me um that i had to really find dig deep and try to find the resilience so what i do is in my book i share my story of hope and inspiration uh, to help the reader find their own resilience within themselves and know that they can choose a life to really thrive instead of just live to really thrive and choose a life with laughter and love, even when things don't go as planned. Um, so there's like a lot of uh, funny stuff, sad stuff along the way, but um, mostly it's just, you know, a memoir meant to inspire. Yeah. I, I, I so appreciate it. I appreciate the, 
your your perspective. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, we never get to, we don't always get to choose what happens, but we always get to choose what happens next. And I'm so grateful that there are people like you that, that just keep choosing to, to not only get through what they're going through themselves, but choosing to share and, and realize and kind of use that their own struggle as sort of an eye opener to realize that there are other people going through their own version of something. Uh, I'm just so appreciative of that from, from you. Um, I know we've been chatting for a while, and certainly you, you and I can sit around and, and just chat for, for hours, I'm sure. I know. I love talking <laughs> with you. Thank you. It's always so much fun talking to you and, uh, you know, just getting to, to, to chat and learn more about uh, how your amazing mind works and just, just kind of vibe off all, all the strength I get from you. It's, it's always fun that, to be talking with you. But I want to get to a few questions um, that I always get to before I wrap up the show. So if, if you're okay with that, can we yeah. jump in? Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. So the first question is, what is something, and this is almost a crazy question to ask you, but I have to ask because I'd love to see what you have to say. What is something that, that you've been a challenge or a struggle, something different that you've been dealing with lately? And, and what is your advice? How did you wind up getting through it? Or how are you still dealing with it? Um, I would say uh, a challenge. I would probably, uh, honestly, a challenge for me. I really had to, because uh, right away I didn't get this. I had to learn some acceptance, self-acceptance and self-love um it was challenging for me to go from being a fitness model to being very you know having a mangled leg and having scars from my hip down mm -hmm. um and so it it really my shift my perspective shift i was in the hospital and the doctor put my leg in his lap and I was there for a checkup because it took about two years for the bone to grow back completely in my leg because there was a non-union mm -hmm. in one of the areas. And um, he put my leg in his lap and he just like rubbed it and looked at it like it was a piece of art, like a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And I thought, here I was trying to cover it up, not letting anybody see. I didn't want to look at it myself. And for the first time, I looked at it differently in my, my whole perspective shift. And I thought, if he can look at my leg like that, then I can learn to look at my leg and love myself again and love that part again. And you know what? It was the most freeing thing. And I'm not going to lie. Some days it is still hard, yeah. but just starting, you know, hate's a four letter word in our house. And I mean, we don't say the word hate and I can tell you, I hated my leg. Mm -hmm. It didn't work properly. It didn't look good. It gave me pain. I, I, I hated it. And I can look at it now. And I went from hate to love. And I am so proud that I have this million dollar leg, this sucker's got a lot of metal in it. And that titanium's expensive, <laughs> but no, it, it, it was a perspective shift. And sometimes I have to snap myself out of it. The minute if I start feeling a little bit like upset or going into self pity or, you know, Oh, I'm so upset. It's not working today. It's giving me too much pain and I can't exercise. 
I start thinking about, well, what can I do? Yeah. You know, uh, I really focus on start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. Well, what can you do and do that and do it well and do it again and then focus on, you know what? Hey, my pain's bad, but maybe it's a eight today instead of a 10 that was yesterday, you know? So every little bitty thing that you can do to help, but that self-love and self-acceptance, that was a hard lesson to learn for me. And it's still something that I practice every day with just trying to love myself a little bit more, trying to accept myself and doing positive affirmations. Yeah. That's one of those. Uh, thank you so much for for sharing that, Amber, because that is that is one that I think um, for many of us it's it's hard to admit uh, because I think uh, if in my from my experience and certainly me personally, you know, we all have our things, our hangups about ourselves, and some of them some of them are physical, some of them maybe be mental or cultural uh-huh. or societal. There, there's yeah, we all have this thing that for some reason it's almost like we're, we're wired to just find something to, to tell or have self doubt. Yeah. That just get that, hear for, that negative voice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that is such a powerful message to just to, to work on that acceptance. And, and if there's something you can't do or someone you can't be, or if there's, there's some limitation to just focus on what can I do and then do it well and do it again. Um, like you said, I, I, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that. That's a powerful one. So what is, um, if we flip the, if we flip the script on that, what's something that's been really working great for you, something you've been loving doing or something that's going on with you that you're just really excited about and like a practice or a habit, anything that you would like to share for others that has worked well for you, um, that you can share with our our friends listening. Um, I think for me, what works really well is every day I start my day before I, you know, check email or get on my Twitter or Instagram or check anything. I, and believe me, I want to, (laughs) but I sit and I have quiet time to meditate and I'm not real good at it, but I, I'm good at practicing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm good at just practicing and um, letting, you know, because my mind's kind of all over the place and mm-hmm. letting those thoughts come in and just drift away. And and then I read maybe two or three. I've got some daily like spiritual books that I read that um, either give me a positive affirmation or something that kind of grounds me. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of sets the tone for the rest of my day. Yes. Um, you know, cause if I start my day, just like all over the place, it, yes. the rest of my day is kind of all over the place. But if mm-hmm. I can start grounded with a play, you know, with some positivity, um, then it's, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Yep. Totally agree. I love it. I love it. Amberly, because I, I, I have to agree a hundred percent, uh, everything all the way back from what you spoke about earlier, from starting the day with with gratitude um, to your practice of starting the day with some meditation, some calm, some time to let those thoughts come and go. And I'm with you. I know I don't do meditation right, quote unquote. I'm doing the air quotes here. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you, on on the rare days that I skip uh, my morning meditation, I feel it. It just isn't right. It's one of those things where I, 
I like to say we only get good at we, what we practice. And if we don't practice some mental calm, some daily calm, if we don't practice being calm, then how can we expect to stay calm when it matters the most? Oh, um, you're exactly right. That it, it is such an important practice to get grounded with ourselves and just, just let our thoughts come and go. But I'm the same way. I'm very, my brain gets hyperactive. And I, I think I was sharing with somebody on an interview recently. I get some of my best ideas, or at least I think they're my best ideas, when I'm supposed to be meditating because <laughs> that thought will just pop in my head. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. And I'll write it yeah. down and, and then go back to, to meditating. So I, I definitely, for everyone listening, definitely take Amberly up on this advice because starting your day with, with some calm, some meditation, um, reading something, whether it's something uh, faith-based or just uh, spirituality or, or, or just reading something that, uh, or you can even be learning something, but taking that time for yourself. It is exactly you can't you just can't can't speak to how important it is and how life changing it is, because there's certainly I don't know how if you feel this way, Amberly, but there for me, there's like this line of demarcation, like the me before I started meditating. And trust me, I, I like your husband, I, I have a, a multiple decade long career in law enforcement. So we're not always the most touchy feely types. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true with my husband. But I, I can also say we probably the ones that need it the most. <laughs> but there's, there's definitely, there's definitely this. I can, I can. There's a big notch in my the timeline of my life from before and after I started meditating. It just makes a huge difference. Do you feel the same way? Oh my goodness! Can you please talk to my husband? He won't yeah. listen to me about it, but he'll listen to you because you're. Okay. You got that brotherhood of, you know, the law enforcement. (laughs) And he is so like his mind just goes. And I just know if he did a little bit of meditation, it would help. Yep. Got to be, got to be okay with it. I'll I'll text you an app. Uh, I I use um, Deepak Chopra's app. It's, you can set it for 10 minutes. Everybody's got 10 minutes. You can do it for 10 minutes. You'll be fine. Oh, I've (laughs) done that. Yeah. 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 His, his meditation I love it. Oh yeah, it's all—it's awesome, isn't it? The the—I yeah. uh, think it's infinite. Is it infinite abundance? Yes, yeah. uh, I did. I do a lot of their challenges, their mm-hmm. meditation challenges, because yeah. I always love a challenge, even if it's a meditation <laughs> challenge. And um, yeah, I—that's I, a good way to meditate because yeah. um, that's when I first—I first got into meditating was with Deepak Chopra and Oprah had a special on it. Yeah. They did a whole challenge together. Yep. Totally awesome. I love it. Everybody take her advice, please. Trust me. She knows what she's talking about. (laughs) So so, uh, my next question is, and we kind of touched on this, but I'm going to make you stretch a little bit. So we know know, you've been speaking and you have the book coming out and you're going to be doing book signings. uh, But I have to ask, what is, if we look beyond the immediate future, what is, where would you like to see your mission, your platform, whatever name you want to use for it, where would you like to see yourself um, with this thing that you've started? Where would you like to see it evolve into? In um, years? You know what? I would love to, uh, you know, goals. I, I set goals for myself. And then I also, then I start to focus on my intention. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, I have a, because I think that goals um, is something that you want, you know, you want to strive for. I, you have a certain goal, but mm-hmm. you're in, my intention is I want to reach a wide audience 
Um, so my message can be heard on a, on a larger platform. And so I would love to, you know, be on a a talk show and get to speak with, um, you know, I'm going to dream big and say, I would love to, you know, speak on a talk show with Megan Kelly or who doesn't love Ellen. Yeah. Um, I love Harry Connick. He's like a guy crush. Um, (laughs) but you know, um, and when I think of those goals, you know, you hear quotes like if you're not setting a goal, if your goals or dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming Mm -hmm. big enough. Yeah. Well, those goals and dreams scare me to death, but if I focus on the intention of them Mm. and what I want to do, um, you know, I feel like your intentions are directly connected with your passion. It's, um, or your purpose. Yeah. And, um, if you're real excited about something, that's usually, you know, your passion, it's usually connected directly to your purpose. And so if you can make your intentions and alignment with your goals, I feel like you can reach those goals. Yeah, I love that. I love that perspective because it's wow. I, I, I love hearing that because there's so many um so many of us, people with whether it's me or you or people that have their own this mission, this platform, their own the, the books they wrote and the speeches that they're giving and, and I, I know you have this desire to reach people with this message and I'm so grateful to be just this this part of it right now but i think it it, you what you said there is so important because it's it's not the fact that you're going to be on ellen or the the fact that you're going to be speaking with with ope with an oprah or richard branson or or, uh uh you know the today show whatever it is it's not the fact that you're on that show it's not a label it's the fact that what are you able to accomplish what's the impact what's the intention behind you being on there like what do you want to be there for and if 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 the why the why you want to be there is the right reason, uh, I think that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It, it really because people can see through um, people that just want to be on a show for just to be able to brag about it at dinner. But uh, I, I love that you're pointing out how important it is to remember the intention behind it. And well, I tell you what, though, if I ever got to meet Oprah. <laughs> Oh my God, that would be, I would, all I would do would, I would have just, you know, died and gone to heaven if that happened. Oh. You get a pass. Everybody gets a pass with Oprah. You're allowed to have the Oprah meltdown. That, oh. Everybody oh. gets a pass on that. Oh, but, she's yeah. amazing. <laughs> but it is so true. It's so true. And I, and I, and I, I, I love the intention that you have. I love the fact that we got to connect and, and I'm really excited to see you grow. You continue to grow. Uh, with what you're doing and uh, I'm grateful to know you and and be a part of it. So uh, I know you mentioned a little bit early, but I want to let you do it again. Uh, The most important question of course is how can we get in touch with Amberly Lago? How can our listeners get a hold of you and reach out to find out what you're doing? Thank you. Please connect with me at amberlylago.com. You can uh, connect with me uh, or see me Instagram at Amberly Lago Motivation, Amberly Lago on Twitter and LinkedIn, and on Facebook, it's um, Amberly Lago Motivational Speaker. So I would love for you to connect with me because I love connecting and I love staying in touch. And I just so appreciate you having me on the show. I love talking to you. 
Oh, thank you so much, Amberlynn. I have to say before we go, number one, thank you for, for sharing so much time with us uh, today and, and giving so much to the show and sharing your story and your strength and, you know, your, your gosh, everything. There, there's so many qualities that you've shared with us from, uh, you know, seeing the miracles that happen even in the times of tragedy, like finding the good in them um, from when your, your incident first happened to the forgiveness that you showed and, and almost dismiss, dismissively realizing that, you know, you needed to be there for you and, 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 and not dwelling on what was, went wrong, but really focusing on, you know, how can I, what can I do and what can I do next to, to get through this situation? What's the very next step I can take? And I think for everyone listening, you know, for you to share that in, in the midst of what you went through and, that strength and the resiliency of taking just one step at a time. What's the next right move for me all the way down to what am I eating in the hospital? It's just so amazing to hear uh, someone like you and so inspiring for me personally, I can tell you um, to, to hear your conversation and what you're about and what you're sharing. Uh, I'm grateful to have you here and, and to know you. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. I promise to keep sharing you and, I'll be cheering you on. My phone will be on anytime you need something because you're doing the right things and you're doing them for the right reason. And oh, I'm, happy to be, I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time and the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're certainly welcome. And for everybody listening, uh, all those links uh, to get a hold of Amberly, of course, I'll have them linked up on AaronKeithHawkins.com. If you just go to the search bar on the top right of the screen and type in the word Amberly, that's Amber with a L-Y at the end. Am I correct? There's no E in there. <laughs> yeah, just mm -hmm. A-M-B-R-L-Y. It's like an adverb. <laughs> there we go. There'll be a test, ladies and gentlemen. A-M-B-R-L-Y. <laughs> if you type in Amberly in the search bar, you'll get uh, the link to this episode, and you'll have all those links to all her social media, her website. And please reach out and thank her for being here. And definitely make sure uh, you grab a copy of her book, True Grit and Grace. So, Amberly, thanks again. You and I are definitely going to talk soon, my friend. And thank you again for being here. We'll talk soon, okay? Okay, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you again for joining us in another episode of Unbreakable Success. Uh, I have no doubt that you are an admirer and a fan of Amberly, like I am as well. If you haven't yet, make sure you grab a copy of True Grit and Grace for yourself and make sure you get a copy for someone else. And as I mentioned early in the episode, I would love to meet you at Unbreakable Success Live. If you're one of those entrepreneurs that are looking to create a real, a real sincere type of influence, impact, and build relationships that are genuine with your the, the customers and clients that you're serving, join me at Unbreakable Success Live. Uh, go to AaronKeithHawkins.com forward slash live because we're going to take a deep dive into what it's really like, the psychology behind influence in real relationship building to impact the lives of the people that you're reaching and make a real difference and yes generate more income as a result of it i can't wait to meet you hop over to aaronkeithhawkins.com forward slash live and i will see you there at the next event and of course as always until next time i can't wait to talk to you again make sure you're taking care of yourselves take care of each other and keep on creating the best life of your life i'm aaron keith hawkins Got so much love for you and I will talk to you soon.